I'm Heidi Harris. This is the Heidi Harris Show podcast. I do these a couple of times a week. You can subscribe at iTunes or anywhere you get podcasts. You can also join me live weekday morning, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on KMZQ in Las Vegas. If you forget all that, go to HeidiHarris.com for a link to listen live to the show and podcasts and blog posts and all that good stuff. Lately, I've been putting up more segments from the show on my podcast. In the past, I had made my podcast about something different than the show. Now I'm kind of incorporating some of the things that I've done on the show in the podcast and doing them more often by special request from all of you. So today's show included an interview with the legendary Bill O'Reilly. So I wanted you to hear it. Here we go. You wake up. She opens your eyes. The Heidi Harris Show on AM 670 KMZQ. Good morning. Glad to have everybody here. Glad to have the addition of O'Reilly in the morning on the Heidi Harris Show, 845. And, of course, you hear the O'Reilly updates throughout the day. Joining us on the KMGQ Live line, the legendary Bill O'Reilly. How are you, sir? Good, Heidi. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me in. I'm always thrilled to have you as a part of the show every single morning. We're thrilled. Everybody's very happy about that. So let's talk about the debate. I know you've been commenting on this on your commentary, of course, but I wanted to ask you live. First of all, what did you think of Chris Wallace and the job he did? Well, if you go to BillOReilly.com, I did an extensive analysis on everybody in the debate, Heidi, and I'm not dodging your question. I'm going to answer it, but there's a lot of context here. Um, about how things happen behind the scenes. So we have all that posted on our on our website. As far as the uh, KMZQ audience is concerned, I said in the very beginning that there were two things about the debate that weren't um, optimum. Number one, Mr. Wallace should not have released the areas of questioning. You know, you know, Heidi, you've been around long enough to know. If you're going to do a good interview, it has to be spontaneous. Yep. All right. And and obviously Biden and Trump, to some extent, well, were prepped in these areas. There was no need to do that. Number two, you can't have uh, a debate where the moderator doesn't correct um, obvious, obvious misstatements. And let me give you a very clear example. So when Joe Biden gives up there and says, it's not true my son did anything suspect in Ukraine and China. That's false. Right. And everyone knows that, okay? And Wallace knows that. But for some reason, Wallace was not willing to stop the debate at that point and say, you know, Mr. Vice President, with all respect, we can't accept those kinds of statements because on the record, uh, your son reaped millions of dollars. And actually went on a plane with you to China to seal a deal. So what are you talking about? Because while, uh, because um, Chris Wallace didn't do that, President Trump got frustrated. Yes. And he lost perspective. He didn't lose control, all right? He lost perspective about how to present himself. And, and he took a big hit for that because he was interrupting too much, he looked too aggressive, um, and people didn't understand what was happening. So if you look at the first seven minutes of the debate, Trump is under control, and his message is clear, and there's no uh, you know, turbulence. But once the president said, look, I'm, Biden is saying all this crazy stuff, I got to jump in, then it all went to hell. Yeah, that's true. We're speaking with Bill O'Reilly. You know, one of the things that I figured Chris Wallace was going to do is come in and rescue Joe Biden when he didn't come up with an answer. And that's exactly what he did. He was like his corner man. 
I didn't see it that way, Heidi. I don't think Chris Wallace was covering for Joe Biden because he went after Biden a couple of times on the Green New Deal. He went after him on, are you going to pack the court? Uh, I don't think he was covering. What he was doing was trying to be this guy who was uh, above it all. Mm-hmm. And that was Wallace's mistake. He, he went in with, I'm going to be above it all, let these guys slug it out, but I'm going to maintain decorum. You can't do that. And his questions were too windy. They were too long. You've got to ask very precise, specific questions to engage the audience. So you've got to ask President Trump, hey, is it true you paid $750 in uh, personal federal income tax? Is that true, yes or no? Right. Okay, now Trump's not going to answer it. He's going to go all over. I pay millions. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Okay. But then Wallace can say to him, well, you didn't really answer the question. You want another shot at it. Same thing with Biden. Right. I mean, you know, you're going to pack the court or not. That's important for people to know, Mr. Vice President. Wallace didn't do that. He didn't contain it. And therefore, uh, the um, debate was not what it should have been. Yeah, absolutely. And I was speaking with Bill O'Reilly. Do you think these debates ever move the needle? Because all I saw on Twitter was with people who hate Trump, they still think he's Satan. They still maintain the same position. And I mean, maybe you saw it differently, but I I don't know. Does it ever change anybody's mind? Well, here's the problem. And everybody falls into this problem. Twitter does not reflect millions of Americans who don't know anything <laughs> right <laughs> so they're not listening to us right now heidi right they don't consume a news talk radio they don't read the newspapers they don't watch tv news they don't know anything but they can vote and millions of them do so what they catch on the fly matters so donald trump needs i would say about Three or four percent more votes if he wants to be reelected. He needs that. He's not going to lose any votes from the debate from his core supporters. They hate Biden. They're going to vote for Trump and vice versa. Right. But it's that millions and millions of people who are uninformed and they're out there. But people just don't. They're kind of invisible and they don't Twitter and they don't Facebook and they, they just kind of float around. That is true. And they just catch a headline here and there, and they really don't know. We're That's speaking, right. We're speaking with right. the le- yeah, legendary Bill O'Reilly. We'll talk about your book here in a minute. It's fascinating. Uh, do you think there'll be more debates? I know the next one's supposed to be a town hall-style debate, right? Do you, do you think Biden's going to try to weasel out of it, or do you think it'll happen? No, Biden is emboldened now. He feels that he helped himself, so he'll certainly show up. Trump will show up, too. Uh, I might bluster about it a little bit, but a town hall uh, format is better for both of them. Um, and, you know, it's up to C-SPAN or whoever's producing this thing to get good questions, and, and I don't know whether that's going to happen or not. Um, but I, I expect the two will come off, and then we have the vice presidential debate next week, which is going to be inconsequential. I mean, you know, people don't really care about the vice presidential debate. You don't think this is going to be a good one, especially this year, but because there's such a contrast between the candidates? In order to make it good, Pence will have to go after her. Mm-hmm. He's not going to do that. Right. He's a button-down guy. Very smart. Mm-hmm. Ran Indiana in a very efficient way. I mean, she's got vulnerabilities all over the place. Oh, yeah. Uh, Senator Harris. I mean, you can just, you know, <laughs> just quote her and destroy her. Maybe Pence will do it. Possible. 
but, you know, it's not a style. It'll be fascinating to see because I think a lot of Americans hadn't really seen Kamala Harris or really maybe not paid attention to who she was until the Kavanaugh hearings. And then when they saw the way she treated him with absolutely no presumption of innocence whatsoever given to him, I mean, that told a lot of men in America to watch out for her, I would hope, if they were paying attention. Well, she's a dangerous woman, not Mm -hmm. only because of that, but because she is a San Francisco values person, Um, doesn't respect private property, doesn't respect the Constitution. She was asked yesterday, would would you support stacking a court? Wouldn't answer, just like Biden wouldn't answer. And that's an answer in itself. They would stack the court. Once you start to put a lot of justices on uh, based on political uh, belief systems, then you don't have a Supreme Court. You have another judicial body. And it's very dangerous. And that's my lead story tonight on BillOReilly.com. And I want everybody in Nevada to check that out um, because we had millions of people, Heidi, millions, come in for our debate analysis. We did it live on Tuesday night and then again yesterday, Wednesday, and we'll do it continue tonight. But in addition to our, you know, almost 300 radio stations, um, KMZQ being one of them, uh, we have a tremendous reach now. But still, a lot of Americans, wherever I go, go, oh, we miss you. Where are you? And I go, BillOReilly.com. In fact, I'm going to get that tattooed on my forehead um, so people know where I live. Yeah. And, you know, the non-corporate media, we answer to no one. I'm the CEO. And that is so important now because, you know, just watching this garbage on TV. You're not going to get the truth from these people. All of them have an agenda. We don't. Yeah, everybody's compromised. That's the truth. Okay, take a quick break. Come right back. We're going to talk about your brand new book. It's called Killing Crazy Horse, The Merciless Indian Wars in America. My guest, the legendary Bill O'Reilly. I'm Heidi Harris. Coming right back. Continuing with my conversation with my guest, Bill O'Reilly. Bill, what was it that interested you about writing a book about the Indian Wars and that part of our history? Well, I think, um, like every American, I don't know much about what happened between the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, and Teddy Roosevelt. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't taught in school. It isn't taught in school because teachers and principals fear if they say something about Native Americans that's not politically correct, they could get fired, so they avoid the subject altogether. So the book came out three weeks ago. It sold 250,000 copies already, Heidi. Wow. Huge. And, and, And particularly in this age of... COVID and, uh, and distractions on a political front. I mean, it's an enormous bestseller. And it surprised me a little bit because, you know, I said a lot of people like me. So for you guys out West, I mean, the key question is, how, how did our ancestors get here? Now, I know a lot of people in Vegas and in Nevada come from other places, migrate now, but there is a core who have been out there for a long time. Well, how did you get out there? How difficult was it? And it was brutal absolutely brutal what happened um, after the Revolutionary War and the expansion West. So we take you from 1813 to 1890, 77 years of constant conflict between Native Americans and Washington. Um, And it is fascinating because we wipe out all the myths, but we tell you about Cochise and Crazy Horse and Sitting Bull and Geronimo and all these people, who they are, what they actually did, and, and how the settlers trying to get just a piece of land to raise a family in freedom, what they faced. Um, so it, it is, I, 
my publisher, and this is the ninth killing book, says it's the best one. The Killing series is the best-selling nonfiction book series in history. Pardon right. the pun. Fantastic. Amazing. 17 million copies of my books in print. <laughs> wow. So we want everybody in Nevada to, to check out Killing Crazy Horse. I guarantee it'll keep you up nights. <laughs> I sure probably will. We're speaking with Bill O'Reilly. Yeah, it probably will. Because like you said, there's a lot about the history that we don't know. And, you know, in all just a couple of countries off the top of my head have still had problems with the indigenous people. Canada has that issue still. Australia has that issue. I mean, I'm sure you talk about this in the book as far as how America should be handling the indigenous situation now, what we call them Native Americans. But it's always a, a, a dicey situation, isn't it? Yeah, that's why it's not taught in school. So every country on Earth um, did not treat the indigenous people fairly. There has never been a nation in this world that treated the people who were there first fairly. you got to start there. And the United States basically had no control of the lands west of the Mississippi. There was no law there, and the settlers would come across. Congress actually passed a law. It said no white man is allowed to settle west of the Mississippi. Of course, nobody obeyed the law because mm. there was nobody out there to tell you to go back right. or you couldn't be here. And they run smack into uh, the Native Americans who had been there for centuries. And the Native Americans go, who's this? What are you doing here? This is our land. Get out of here. And that's where the conflict begins. Now, I don't get political in the book because that's not what my role is in writing history books. I tell you the truth. So after you finish reading it, then you can make up your own mind about America and how it was forged and whether we're an evil nation, as the far left would have you believe. America's evil. It's racist. We have to just destroy everything that happened in the past and start over. That's what they want. And that plays out in this election. Okay, I'm a traditionalist. There were bad things and there were good things. And I point out both. One final thing on the uh, Native Americans, because I know you have a lot of tribes in and around Nevada. Um, we have given them reparations, Heidi. The United States very cleverly allowed many Indian tribes to have casinos on the reservations. Mm -hmm. Those are not taxed. That money has to go to the Native Americans living on the reservations, and it is in the tens of billions of dollars. Wow. The gaming industry, as you guys know better than anybody else, is an extremely lucrative industry. And it's no accident the federal government has allowed this to happen, and that is reparations. Mm, that's interesting. We're speaking with Bill O'Reilly. I never thought about it as reparations, but that's fascinating. You're right. But now, does this actually filter down to the communities? Because we hear about a lot of uh, alcohol abuse and all kinds of things that go on in some of these communities. Who's getting this money? Is it just the top people or is it spreading out in the community? Well, the federal government has no control over that. Right. I mean, the tribal uh, councils run the reservations. So when people say, well, they have X, Y, and Z in this reservation, um, you have to understand that that is run by the Native Americans themselves. They have to obey federal law, all right? They don't supersede federal law, but they don't have to obey state law. And so the problems, the social problems, which are real, are in the valley wick of the Native Americans themselves. Mm -hmm. And you would think with all this money coming in, 
to uh, relatively few people because most Native Americans have assimilated and they're into culture, American culture, and nobody even knows they're Native American. Um, like Elizabeth Warren, who knew? You know, I mean, who knew she? Was? <laughs> anyway, um, so I don't diminish the problem, uh, but if the Native American tribal councils need help, they should ask the federal government for help because. You know, that's the only way that it's going to get solved. Interesting. Final question, Bill O'Reilly. So thrilled to have you here this morning. So what, going back to Joe Biden for a second, I think it's pretty clear that he's got some kind of situation mentally. We don't know what it is. We're not diagnosing him. But why doesn't somebody tap him on the shoulder, family or somebody, and protect his legacy and let him and have him step aside? Why don't they do he that? He doesn't want to. I mean, Joe Biden understands the... Uh the uh, accusations about his mental acuity, he certainly understands that, but he doesn't believe it. And if you have elderly relatives, uh, you know uh, what that situation is. That most people go, no, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. And, and Biden, to his credit, uh, did not embarrass himself uh, at the debate. That's true. Yep, he stood up, and he's going for it. And um, I believe that Joe Biden would last about three minutes with me in a debate. All right. That's my litmus. test. <laughs> All right. Here's O'Reilly. Here's Biden. We're going to have a debate. We're going to have a Q&A. How long do you think Joe lasts? He's not going to last. No. But the way they have designed the campaign, the way they protect him and the way the press protects him, because obviously 90 percent of the news media is rooting for Joe Biden, he can get through it. And so this is going to be one close race, particularly in Nevada, where you guys are. It's going to be one tight situation come November 3rd. Absolutely. And if, God forbid, Biden were elected president, who's going to take over? I mean, who's going to run the country? Is it going to be Harris? Is it going to be Schumer, Nancy? No, it'll be the Obama guys. They're running the campaign. Um, Barack Obama will have a lot to say. Um, Axelrod, those guys, that's who's doing it now, and that'll, that's who will continue to do it. Um, in my opinion. Um, so you will have a shadow government. You will have people in the White House, councils and things like that, advisors. And Joe will do pretty much what he's told to do. Yeah, that's that's the scary thing. I think people don't really know who they're voting for. Basically, a tribe of people who are going to tell them what to do. And that's that's pretty frightening. And of course, the world leaders will know that, too. They're very well aware of his situation. I think everybody, though, in the know knows that the Obama machine is really running the Biden campaign. Mm-hmm. That, makes, that makes perfect sense. Bill O'Reilly, what a thrill to talk to you. The brand new book, Killing Crazy Horse, The Merciless Indian Wars in America, the ninth in the series of the Killing series. Uh, 17 million books, unbelievable. But they're great. That's why people buy them. Bill O'Reilly, don't forget, you can catch him every morning here at 8, 845 right here as part of the Heidi Harris Show. We're thrilled to have you, Bill, here at KMZQ. And thanks for the time this morning. Sure, anytime, Heidi. Great talking to you. Thank you. You too. Always fun talking to the legendary Bill O'Reilly. I was on his show many, many years ago. I wrote about that in my book, Don't Pat Me on the Head, which you can find at HeidiHarris.com. Don't forget, you can join me weekdays live, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on KMZQ. And I'm going to be posting a lot more of the segments of the show, maybe one per day or something like that, or a few times a week, just to kind of give you a flavor for what we do on the live show every single day. We talk local, we talk national, whatever's in the news, we're talking about it. But of course, my hometown is Vegas, and that's where my heart I'm Heidi Harris. Until we meet again, remember, you were created for a purpose. Here's Tony Scottwell.